Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You know, anybody can make beer. It's not rocket science. You can do it. Uh, And then, you know, dip your toe into... Like when I started with the sours, the first ones that I ever made weren't even sours, really. They were just saisons, you know, that kind of had a tart factor to them. And now I've started going way more of like a traditional sour route. And even I still haven't gotten into the way that most people make their sours, which is that long-term sit kettle sour that I talked about. So even I'm not, you know, jumping all the way in yet. I'm just kind of going step by step. Don't get overwhelmed. Everyone's favorite time of the year is right around the corner, college football season. To celebrate, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting new players in the center of the action with $200 in free bets instantly if you bet $1 or more on any college football game. Take advantage of this limited-time offer now. You heard that right. DraftKings is giving all new players $200 in free bets instantly when you place a bet of $1 or more on any college football game no matter what. Head to DraftKings Sportsbook app now to check out all the great promotions and daily odds boosts that they are offering. DraftKings Sportsbook is safe, secure, and reliable, located right here in the United States, so it's easy to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN, as in the Hockey Podcast Network, to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any college football game. That's promo code THPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly for a limited time only. DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 years or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Pass cam. Take it away. All right, everybody. Welcome into episode 74 of season two of the Bruce Bruins podcast. My name is Cam Hasbrook, joined as per usual by Drew Johnson and Chris Gear. We've got a brewer on finally. We've been talking about this forever, and this is the Brews and Bruins podcast, and we've been really slacking on the uh, the Brewers part, at least. We've, we've had a lot of beer on here, but as far as diving into that process, which is something we've talked about doing for a while, uh, we're certainly excited to do that. So we've got Jack Lampson of Lampson Brewing Company here. I'm um, excited to talk about 
the entire process with you, Jack, and also how phenomenal that cran raspberry sour was up in Bridgeton. Because I, <laughs> oh my god, that was so goddamn good. But we'll get to that in a sec. We'll send it around the table here. We know how this works. Uh, Chris, you want to start us off? What are you drinking today? I have an Accidental Wilderness IPA from Honest Weight Brewing Company in Orange, Massachusetts. Uh, I was at this brewery a few days ago with my mom. Um, they described this beer as maybe more like a pale ale, but we called it an IPA. Uh, it's 5.6% alcohol, um, and we'll give it a shot. Orange, Massachusetts. I did not know that was a place. It is. A lot of Massachusetts. Yeah. <laughs> it's in part of the the part of Massachusetts where not a lot of people go. Um, yeah, this is a really good beer. I I do think I would categorize it more as like a hoppy pale ale than, than an IPA. Just it's it doesn't really have the depth of an IPA, but it's uh it's really tasty beer. It's got a lot of citrusy notes and uh maybe some some pineapple. Ooh. Love a good any citrusy notes I'm a fan of, but pineapple especially. So for drinkability, it's pretty drinkable. Um, let's give it 26. And then for tasteability, it has a lot of flavor. You can really taste it. 30. Wow. That sounds like it strikes a nice balance as far as like light. I guess light IPAs. Or as you're describing yeah, it. So it's would not, you call it a light IPA or like a heavy pale ale? It's it's not like a session IPA. It's definitely got more depth of flavor than that, and it's not mm-hmm. it's not dry hops. Um, they did have a couple of dry hops pale ales there that were probably more in the session IPA category. Um, the this one's yeah the this it's somewhere between a pale ale and an IPA. So I mean I don't fault them for calling it an IPA at five point six if it was. Or 0.4% more alcohol, no one would talk about it. <laughs> Fair, yeah. It's the minor details. Drew, what you got? Uh, I rolled out of bed at uh, 12.30 today, so a <laughs> half hour ago. Uh, so we're recording day, at 1. <laughs> today's my Saturday. My weekends are Sunday, Monday. So I was like, you know, I got nothing going on. Uh, I went out into this horrible hurricane that is just a light drizzle right now and got myself a Duncan's <laughs> iced coffee uh a medium nice. ice regular and for some reason i said light ice because i was kind of thinking like hey i'll get more coffee but i'm pretty sure they just gave me more cream so um <laughs> drinkability i'm gonna go with like a 20 because there's so much fucking cream i don't like that <laughs> at all <laughs> i rolled Basically, up to a M- mcdonald's yesterday for a nice coffee don't judge it's actually decent there's not the problem. I ordered it, and they were like, "Yeah, do you want six creams in there?" I was like, "No, what the no. fuck? No, not six creams. Like one or two would be great." But no, like, you know, in a large standard, like, in a large, what fuck? that's what I'm in a wondering. large. Like, the standard is like four. Yeah. What so, world? Okay. I know. Six I was like, is no, a lot. What what, one Does cream. Say yes to one that? cream. Like, one to two. Maybe well, three. Is, it's a large. I this is know. like a medium. So the large is like. Drew, it looks like you're drinking milk. I know. They just. Loaded it up with more cream. I really thought I was cheating the system and getting like, you know, an extra two cents worth of coffee because the coffee cost me three oh nine, but it's probably like cost them like fifty cents to me. Remember when coffee was a dollar? <laughs> oh, the days. Hey, it still is at uh, Cumberland Farms, baby. Cumbies. Good old Cumbies. Uh, tasteability is going to be like a thirty-seven because I really taste that cream and sugar. <laughs> um, actually. 
a woman that ordered after me said, this is going to be really weird and I'll pay whatever I need to for this, but can I get like a cup of ice with cream and sugar? And that's it. No coffee. So <laughs> part of me thinks I got her drink based on that. <laughs> <laughs> a little extra or something. That's All the right, weirdest well. thing I've ever heard though. I have no idea what they're going to do with that. I don't know if it's some sort of like remedy for like a health issue. or <laughs> You just got a whole <laughs> cup of... Uh, hazelnut creamer <laughs> yikes um well drew when you uh when you do get your way up here in portland i saw they just uh opened a new brewery called lucky pigeon brewery i don't know i, I saw this to you on instagram earlier but you're probably asleep sounds like uh but they're the first entirely gluten-free brewery in portland so good timing for you uh, <laughs> you'll have some more options up they here know they know i'm on my way they, every time, they yeah. listen to this podcast they're like what drew johnson's moving to portland there you go. All right, Jack, what you got for us today? I have got a good fortune, which is from Common Roots. It's in South Glens Falls, New York. It's uh, right next door to the brewery that I actually work in the cellar at uh, doing um, fermenter work. It's called cellar work and then also some packaging. So this is kind of our next door neighbor. Um, a really cool story. It's a father and son brewery. Uh, it unfortunately, while being a cool story, um, It'll get cool, but it's not going to sound that way. <laughs> burned down a couple of years ago. Um, just a really devastating fire in the tap room that they had built. And they moved to a temporary location and they came back and just earlier this year opened up a brand new location. Like I think they tripled, if not more, their size and just built this incredible thing. So wow. this is their uh, Good Fortune, which is an IPA with Galaxy, Amarillo, and El Dorado hops. So notes of pineapple, zesty tangerine and stone fruit so kind of a citrus taste but without the same kind of citrus you know that tangerine is a little bit different than you might get from an orange and obviously the pineapple mm -hmm. but this guy knows his beer <laughs> really really good you know it's um it's definitely it's not my favorite common roots beer but it's uh definitely drinkable at only six and a half percent as far as ipas go um i'll probably give it a 27 on drinkability and then on tasteability, let's go ahead and give it a, we'll give it a big Z. We'll give it a 33 on Hell tasteability. Yeah. All those flavors in there are pretty good. Um, nice and balanced. Uh, you know, it's a, a good IPA for any occasion. This is a guy who knows the assignment. Yeah, absolutely. He, <laughs> he did the opposite of what Drew does when we give Drew an assignment. Oh, but. I got coffee. <laughs> yeah, twist, twist my arm. It's like, you know, have me drink a beer and talk about it. Boy, I'm, yeah. I'm really yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. That's why people are like, yeah, that's not, you guys do this twice a week. Isn't it a lot? And I'm like, well, not really. We just like sit here and drink beer. <laughs> like, it's just an excuse to drink. You know what I mean? Talk about it in the microphone, I guess. But. It doesn't oh, hurt that we yeah, like talking exactly. about it. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> probably put this on my resume. Like, that's a joke. <laughs> Come on, I, I do have the Brews and Bruins podcast on my resume. Honestly, me too. <laughs> it is there. Perfect. Uh... I got I got hired, so I don't think they checked out the podcast. Probably but... not. That's probably for the better, but that's all right. Um, so Jack is a Massachusetts man at heart, right? You were born and raised in Massachusetts. Um, you are a news anchor, so. The business is moving around, so you bounced around. I believe it was you were in Texas for a little while, Myrtle Beach, I think I saw, and then now in upstate New York in the five one Great Baby, my old stomping grounds. Um, ironically enough, kind of switching around here. Um, but you also have roots to 
Maine up in Bridgeton, Shawnee Peak area, and we'll get more into that with the brewery and stuff. But, uh, Jack, you know, how is it starting a brewery or at least starting a brew? I mean, you started doing this in college at Quinnipiac, I believe, correct? Yeah, so I showed up for my senior day, uh, for my first day of senior year. I had a U-Haul truck in the parking lot of the house that I was sharing with six other guys. And I went upstairs into the, I was in the upstairs section and a guy who I'd lived with since freshman year said, uh, Oh, you know, good to see you. Hey, by the way, I have this beer making kit. You know, somebody got it for me as a gift. And I said, screw the U-Haul. I'll take care of that tomorrow. And I, <laughs> I have every single one of my like worldly possessions parked outside, paid the late fee on the U-Haul and we made some beer instead and drank some beer instead and never looked back. There was, and like that, that year, everybody in the house kind of got into it. It was like, and we were making absolute shit. I mean, yeah. it was awful. <laughs> you know, we were just doing, we were doing clone recipes, you know, which uh, is exactly what it sounds like. You know, you, you uh, go buy a kit and it says, you know, if you make this follow our instructions, it should come out tasting like X, Y, or Z. And the first one that I ever did was a, a Newcastle brown ale tasted like a brown ale. I wouldn't call it great but it was, uh, but it was fun. And so like, at one point we had like 35 gallons of beer in like eight different containers. Everybody in the house had their own beer going at the same time. And like, we're saving our bottles and sanitizing them and cleaning them and stacking them back in boxes. Like for a while there was a rule, like you can't drink any canned beer. Like everybody had to get bottles and they can't be twist tops. <laughs> those. So like we're buying like nice beer that none of us can afford as seniors <laughs> just so that we can reuse the bottles. <laughs> that's excellent. So that's where the passion kind of started, but obviously it's hard to, to start, you know, establishing a brewery or really just bring regularly when you're moving around as much as somebody in news does. I definitely understand that as a fellow newser. What's that kind of been like for you? I mean, you've been at it for more than 10 years now and you guys have been settled in, in, uh, well, Albany, Schenectady, Detroit, that market for what, five or six years now. Yep, so, coming up on six. Yeah, so obviously it's been, I, I would assume, a little easier on that back half and stuff. But what was it like those first couple of years trying to do that while you're, like, moving across the country constantly for work? It was nice uh, because when I first started out, you know, I was just using, like, a big, like, six-gallon pot and, you know, like, one plastic uh, fermenter. You know, it looks like a, looks like a water jug that you'd put in, like, a, a pole and spring thing there at, uh, at the office. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like the equipment was pretty minimal. Um, so that was easy enough to take with me to Texas, came with me to South Carolina. When I got to South Carolina, I invested in, you know, like a, an igloo mash or an, a, an igloo cooler that I use for the mash, you know, which is the, the steeping of the grains and extracting all the sugar out of that. So it's like for every move that I made, like my I got like a new piece of equipment for it. And uh, then when we finally settled in here and when I started getting real serious about brewing, doing some competitions and some festivals and things like that, I jumped all in, bought some serious fermenters, some nice stainless ones, you know, basically miniature versions of what you see in an actual brewery with the pointed bottom down there and everything, the conical bottom. And then I bought myself a nice three vessel brewery, you know, that's three 20 gallon pots with heating elements in it and a big electric control panel and some pumps. And that's been the, uh, the big purchase. And that was just last year. So, I mean, for a, a long time, I was, you know, on the stovetop. And then after the stovetop, you know, it was faster. I used a, a propane 
uh, burner, you know, that, you know, you'd use to fry a turkey on something like that. Uh, even just two years ago when I was here, there's a guy who lives a couple doors up, Uncle Bob. And Uncle Bob drove by. He always drives by with his wife riding shotgun. And they stopped at the end of the driveway while I was brewing one day. And Bob rolls the window down and goes, you make an awful lot of turkey. <laughs> he it was the big pot and the burner out there. But I guess he thought I was deep frying a turkey. <laughs> Honestly, might be a good business too. Right? Yeah, yeah. Br- you know, put them together. And- yeah, you got the you got all the materials. Beer, beer, and turkey legs. You know, we'll we'll do our own. Uh, you know, medieval times or something. Like yeah, that. exactly. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So it's it's been a slow progression of equipment, and it's like you know, you buy one thing, and you're like, oh, but it'd be so much cooler if I added this onto that. And so it's like you know, I'm putting stuff on my credit card so it doesn't show up on the debit card. And like, well, what the hell is this? <laughs> yeah. So you can just reap the benefits of it afterward. And then there once you, you have the beer in hand, you can be like, well, here's what had to go into it. Once you have the product, it's a lot easier to sell, right? <laughs> oh, you, you, you like that. Oh, well, then you'll be happy to know that I bought this. <laughs> exactly. Well, uh, I do want to specify before we get too deep into this that this did start as a kind of a, a home project, if you will. But it's developed into a lot more since then. And you guys have been really cleaning house in some of these competitions that you mentioned. I know you're going to be humble about it, but... Uh, two years running now as the best overall brewery at the Southern Vermont Summer Homebrew Festival. And you guys went for the sweep this year, if I'm not mistaken, for which best brewery, best VIP beer, and your best overall beer. Here it is on Facebook. You had a milkshake IPA and a peanut butter fluff stout featured in that, that both were award-winning beers. Can you talk about, you know, what, what, when did you really, like, start taking this seriously and, and how how did things change at that point, like, I can't even fathom, like, you know, I, I could maybe go on the stove, like you were saying, and try to brew something that tastes like a shittier Bud Light. But going from that into a peanut butter fluff stout is a is a big jump. So what's that been like for you? Making something that actually tastes like a, a shitty Bud Light would actually be harder than a lot of what I do. Lagers <laughs> like that, you know, like a light beer like that is an incredibly difficult style to make just because lagers in general, they take a lot longer. They require more temperature control. And I actually had a brewer tell me this once, uh, which I thought was really interesting. He said, if he goes into a new brewery, the first thing he looks for on their menu is a lager or a Pilsner. And that's because those styles have to be so pure that you can taste off flavors. Uh, You can taste, you know, errors and imperfections. You can taste them much easier in something that's so simple. So if a brewery can make a good lager and a Pilsner, one or the other, uh, or both, then you know that they have a good process. They have a good understanding of, you know, what goes into beer making. With something like a triple dry hopped IPA, it's like, oh, well, I can taste a little bit of, you know, diactyl or whatever it may be. Um, you know, there's an off flavor in there. There's like, throw some more hops at it, cover it up. You know, hopefully everybody will just drink it before it, you know, starts to really show itself. And that's something that happens all the time. I mean, not everywhere will, you know, dump a bad batch of beer. They'll just literally just throw more hops at it and see if they can cover it up. And, you know, that happens. So, uh, and I try and like, for example, I don't make a Pilsner or a lager. I don't, I don't know if I can. Uh, I, I tried a lager once and it was one of the only beers that I've ever dumped out. Because even my bad beers, I'll drink them most of the time. But this one went horribly wrong. <laughs> and so I dumped it out. Uh, but I'd say when I was in South Carolina, I was making beer and like giving it out to some friends. 
and things like that, you know, to get their feedback. And I really mm -hmm. started um, amping up how much I was making. You know, I tried to brew down there like once a month or something like that so that I always had something on tap. And since I'd come up here, I try and have like, you know, over the last three years or so, I'd say I try and have two on tap at all times. Um, so that's brewing once a, once every two weeks or so. And then if I get a week off from work or a day of, or, you know, a week of nice weather or something like that, I might brew two times in a week. I've got two fermenters now, two of the nice fermenters and a whole bunch still of the, the plastic carboy. So like when I went to the Southern Vermont festival this time around, I had uh, six beers. And so I had beer scattered all over the house. I had the two fermenters full. <laughs> I had three carboys in the basement. I had stuff all over the place um, to try and, you know, so that's always the month and a half leading up to a festival like that is always way more involved. It sounds tough though. Like uh, having all that beer around, somebody has got to drink it. You know? <laughs> it sounds like you, know, you ever need help with that. Yeah. I can <laughs> get down there. My, uh, my, my wife is a big fan of the sours. So uh, now that she's not pregnant anymore, uh, she's uh, she definitely helps me put down the sours. And uh, you know, I've got a good group of guys around here who, will shoot me a text and say, Hey, is Lamson brewing open? Like garage doors on open. You know, what? <laughs> hell yeah. Hey, congratulations on that, by the way. Thank you. Thank um, you. And yeah, well, we'll talk more off pod, but anyway, uh, um, I do want to talk about the sours because I had the opportunity of trying that cran raspberry sour. I don't know how regularly you do that. If that was just kind of a one-off thing uh, while I was up in Bridgeton and, uh, it was fucking amazing. It was honestly one of the best sours I've ever had. <laughs> I am not just saying that to pump your tires for the podcast or them. I was trying to like explain because I was like with your parents and stuff. I was like, I don't know how to like you. You guys think I'm being polite, but this is like, I would buy this beer. This is really goddamn. <laughs> I remember texting Chris and Drew about it actually at the time. Um, so was that a one off that you did, or was that just like a? Because if you can just spin that out as a one time thing, I'm. I mean, I'm impressed either way, but. That was that was a really good beer. <laughs> well, I think that was actually the second time that I'd made it, um, and it's definitely made it way more heavily um, uh, into the rotation. You know, it, it's something that I and it's something that I'm still continuing to mess with too. Um, so traditionally, when you sour, there's a couple different ways to go about it. One of them is called a kettle sour, where mm -hmm. you you know you make your beer and you get it into where you're going to boil it, and then you let it sit, and you introduce bacteria into it. You know, it's, it's lactobacillus is the name of the bacteria, and you're actually, you know, you're contaminating the beer, and that's what turns it sour. I sort of cheat in the way that I do mine. It's, you could, some people might describe it as cutting corners. It's just kind of a different way to go about it. I use malt. <laughs> I use malt that has lactobacillus kind of, uh, thrown onto it, you know, it's like a, like a powder and the malt is kind of, uh, it, it's built into that rather than introducing it, you know, to the kettle, I have it in the grain. And then I also use a special sour yeast, um, as compared to doing the kettle sour, which is something that I'll probably try. I just, I haven't, uh, I haven't tried it yet. And, uh, and then I, the other thing I've been experimenting with is when do I add the berries, you know, do they go in, during primary fermentation, while the yeast is active, they go in at the back end. That lends it to be a little bit sweeter because the yeast doesn't get a chance to ferment that fruit and kind of um, get rid of the sweetness. When you add it at the back end, you keep some of that fruity sweetness and that can pair well with the tartness or not. Um, I've tried whole raspberries, frozen raspberries. I just, for the competition in Vermont, I use raspberry puree. Um, that I bought online uh, from a homebrew supplier. 
So it's a work in progress. Uh, my biggest fear is that I'm going to bring it back to you and you're not going to be satisfied with it. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I'm sure I will be regardless. But that's kind of sort of the fun of it, right? I assume is, is playing around with it and trying to find that, you know, hey, I tried the puree this time or the frozen stuff this time. Which one do you like better? And that sort of thing. I guess that's kind of why you're in it, right? Like that's that's the whole fun. Of, I mean, besides getting your own having your own beer on tap at all times. Yeah. That's the, it's the, the craftsmanship is a big part of it. The trial and error is a huge part of that. It's a, it's a, uh, it's an awesome experience. Even when it doesn't come out great, you know, I still take some value and like, you know, Hey, this worked, this didn't work. You know, this beer is still good. It's just not, you know, out of this world. Good. You know, how can I improve it? What can I do better? And that's why I love giving it out to people. And, you know, uh, when Cam was up there and tried it, you know, that was awesome feedback. And for Drew and Chris's benefit, I'll give you a quick side story. When Cam came over that day to my family's house up in Maine, he came over with his now girlfriend. And what we didn't know at the well, so my, my wife knows. Uh, do you guys talk about her on here like that? Oh, yeah, yeah, you can. Yeah, you so, fire away. You're good. <laughs> very little we aren't willing to say. <laughs> yeah, no, is- so Cam's girlfriend knows my wife through some work that they do together. And Cam came over and they had just finished skiing at Shawnee Peak and had the beer and was a very pleasant house guest. And we love seeing Lauren as well. And they left. And my dad looked at me and my wife and goes, that kid wants to date Lauren so bad. (laughs) (laughs) I I went skiing with them at Shawnee Peak and I was like, immediately i was like all right cool they're, they're both into it drew, drew and i may have had some conversations in the back and, he, and he, very much, he very much left with all of our you know because steph in particular with lauren you know they're they're good friends and when when you guys left she said okay i i like him and i said he said great shit about my beer he can do whatever the hell <laughs> well the uh the irony is that i was actually kind of indirectly jack's intern back in the day when uh when uh, he was at Albany in, I guess, the year, that would have been your third or second or third, I guess, third year there. Fourth yeah, year? And, and I don't know if we ever, did we establish if we I, ever even actually crossed paths? I don't know that because you were, were you doing morning shows then too or no? Because I was, yeah, see, I was, they didn't stick the intern on the morning show. Thank God I would have died. <laughs> <laughs> or I would have left journalism before I got to the real morning show, but that's all right. Um, but no, uh, but yeah, because I was doing stuff with uh, with your buddy Drew, of course, the other Drew. Um, although I shouldn't call him the other Drew here. There's Sorry, another Drew, Drew. <laughs> but um, there can, yeah, great there guy. can only be one Drew. I am the only. Me and Drew but, so that's Yeah, uh, but oh, great guy though. I do love Drew. Down um, in New York City now, living the dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that's that's fantastic. I'm happy to see him uh, doing all that. I know he was doing the, some of the Yankee stuff too up there for uh, for you guys in the CW and stuff too for the pregame show. So I'm sure I know he's a huge Yanks fan, but. Um, we'll, we'll let them live besides that. Yeah, it's all right. Uh, but Jack, one thing I do want to ask you about is, uh, I love your slogan. Uh, good friends bring beer, best friends bring Lampson's. How did that come up? Because that's a, that's a really great craft brewery slogan. And, uh, and there's got, there's gotta be a story behind that. That's a, That is a good story, actually. Uh, if it's, if it's, uh, if you feel comfortable sharing it on the pod, if it's that good of a story, you know, do what you gotta do. But. <laughs> 2000, 2009 or 10, maybe. I don't know if you guys would remember, uh, Bud Light came out with a thing called a beer ball. You ever heard of a Bud Light beer ball? I feel like I have, but I don't know. I feel like it I was, shouldn't have. <laughs> maybe it was maybe two and a half gallons of beer, 
in a ball <laughs> in a box and it came with a plastic, it came with a plastic tap same thing it was basically a keg it was mm-hmm. a disposable keg and so you could go to the liquor store and you could buy a bud light beer box uh, a bud light beer ball and what you did was you took the box you opened it up and then you dumped ice around the outside of the ball and tapped the ball just like a keg and so we were going to a party in Rhode Island with a friend, a buddy of mine, uh, Dan Bateson, and I were going to this party. And on our way, we stopped for a beer ball and we threw it in the trunk of the car and we're standing there looking at it. And Dan looks at me and goes, we need ice. And I said, yeah, we need ice. He goes, because you know why? I said, why? He goes, good friends bring a beer ball to the party. Best friends bring a beer ball on ice. <laughs> so that's where it came from was you, know, you can show up with a beer ball it's phenomenal but you can show up with a beer ball on ice otherwise you know you're bringing warm beer to the party who wants to hang out with and that a lot guy? of warm beer yeah, yeah. honestly so, I, I feel like cam lives by that because i asked cam to bring uh some burgers to cook for our uh our little cookout uh, a couple weeks ago and cam brought like seven pounds of ground beef and uh like a 10 gallon jug of water i didn't know how many people were gonna i mean like i had a, i knew there were people coming in and out and you know what i mean i figured you don't want to show up with not enough burgers not enough burgers is a problem too many burgers is not a problem that's, that's friends, problem friends show up with uh, eight burger patties best friends show up with seven pounds of ground beef yeah exactly. <laughs> we're, talking, we're making fucking big guys today but nobody's I ever did, gonna I, that guy <laughs> exactly uh right. well drew and drew and jack you guys have places that are probably like a stone's throw away from each other so we gotta we gotta talk um, skiing this year especially once you get up to, to portland drew but i did i did want to mention the bridgeton connection uh my family's had a place on moose pond in denmark maine uh since i was like four years old so i've been skiing at shawnee for 20 years now and then quinnipiac i went to quinnipiac for two and a half years before it got uh <laughs> a lot of weird connections going on here it got, yeah. <laughs> it got uh way too much fun to do well so uh <laughs> I, I left <laughs> but small world small, small yeah quinnipiac world. will do that yeah we're on uh we're right across from camp winona on pencil point right at the base of the east chair so oh, i wow. know that whole area well i went to summer camp up there and yeah, Quinnipiac can definitely be too much fun for its own <laughs> Yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> but uh, we all ended up all right here. We're all on the pot, so for the most yeah. part. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A couple, uh, a couple of bumps in the road, but isn't that that's just life? It's all right. Um, but yeah, no, uh, some some night skiing in our future for sure. I love that oh, uh, yeah. the, the the Monday Night Madness or whatever they have at Shawnee is fantastic. Yeah, oh, especially yeah. when you're in journalism and you have Mondays off. So <laughs> it works out really. And Tuesdays off, which is probably more important for that <laughs> one. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so to get up there for that. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. Um, well, Jack, uh, I saw you whipped out the Bergeron jersey, so. Uh, I have to. I, I, I was just say I'm, I'm pretty sure you are a hockey guy, and I'm, I'm glad to see that my suspicions were confirmed. <laughs> I, I guess growing up in in Mass, you can't not be a hockey guy, right? So I'm, I'm curious to see what your thoughts are about the Bruins and stuff. A lot of big changes coming up this off season. Uh, what's what? What are you? What is your take on this team? Are you? We're you know I think a little worried. We've got maybe some uh, some cautiously optimistic thoughts about some of the young guys, but um, a lot of big changes coming up. So how are you feeling? I was admittedly uh, not the biggest hockey fan in the world growing up only because I used to ask my parents if I could play hockey and they'd say, 
all right, well, you can't go skiing then because all your games are going to be on the weekend. So because I didn't play, I didn't follow it all (laughs) that much. But I mean, but going to Quinnipiac, I mean, it's it's hard not to to get involved with Quinnipiac hockey team. My wife is a huge Rangers fan. So she sort of got me when we were in college together, you know, into watching pro hockey. And, you know, at at that point, I was a bigger sports fan, too. So started, Mm -hmm. you know, just enjoying it more. Um, I would say the one thing that I'm really happy that they're doing is the exact opposite of what the Celtics are doing. And they're moving on a little bit in some senses, you know, they're, they're willing to try and go a new direction. Whereas the Celtics are just signing Marcus smart again. Yeah. Let's go <laughs> run it back. <laughs> like, like, Oh, let's run it back to that 2017 team. That's going to work out great. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see them trying. Um, I don't like, like the, the elephant in the room is always going to be, I guess, whether or not, Rask surgery goes well and takes and they bring him back and it's like I, I have a hard time being like you know it's like the to, to bring in a third sport it's like you know if you have two quarterbacks you really have none and it's like from a goaltending perspective yeah. are we going to have two goalies and really have none god forbid are we going to have three goalies yeah I, was gonna say, I think having two goalies is fine having three is tough right <laughs> yeah. right it's like you know how are you going to split it up what are you going to do and it's like if we get into the second half of the season and they really have to explore the Rask option, then I think we have bigger problems, you know, if we're at that point in the season. But, uh, you know, I, I love the Taylor Hall signing for a for a team-friendly discount. Uh, I love – I saw a great tweet the other day uh, that was something to the effect of, you know, Taylor Hall, I want to come – I want to be drafted by Boston – Taylor Hall, I want to be traded to Boston. Taylor Hall, I'm happy to be in Boston. Taylor Hall, I want to stay in Boston. Don Sweeney, okay. And it's like, Don Sweeney does it again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah literally any of us could have signed that deal, which uh, it's not saying too much. I don't think I have much negotiating power. As I, I think, think, that I think cautiously that optimistic is a good way to put it. That yeah. might have been an ETD tweet because uh, that sounds like it. That does sound, yeah. that does sound like him, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say um, another another person you have to pause some time, but honestly, um, yes, yeah, that would be it would be entertaining at least. Yeah. But yeah, it's man. Um, well, Jack, I I do want to like ask you for some advice, maybe for any home brewers out there who are interested in getting into it and that sort of thing. I mean, obviously, if you can make it work, traveling around the country, working morning shows and journalism and stuff, that's a that's a hectic schedule for sure. Uh, which may, you know makes me believe that if, if you could find time to do it, then really anybody can do it if they really are, are passionate about it. So uh, what's some advice that you have, you know, 10 years of this under your belt? What's worked out? What have you learned over that time? That it's not rocket science, but you can definitely bog yourself down to the point where it feels like it. You know, there are so many articles and websites and, you know, and resources that say, you know, you have to do it this way. You have to watch out for X, Y, or Z. You have to be worried about this and, you know, don't do this because this, and it's like, shut up. Just like, if you know, and if you like it, then just, then just try and make it, you know, don't worry about all, you know, find a, find a simple set of instructions, something that walks you through the basics, something that doesn't talk about, you know, hop utilization of a certain alpha acid at 170 versus 175 degree, like just relax. Like the, the guy who sort of pioneered home brewing in the way that it exists now, his name's John Palmer and his motto, his catchphrase is sit back, relax and have a home brew. 
It's like, it doesn't have to be this gigantic science project. It can just be more like a cooking project. You know, it can be like, you know, follow these steps, add these ingredients and turn out a product, you know, turn out something that, you know, you like, even if nobody else likes it, if you like it, you know, that's fine. One of my other things that if you visit lampsandbrewing.com and you read kind of our, our mission statement, um, it's, uh, you know, I, the difference between a, a beer connoisseur and a beer snob, it's like a beer snob will corner you at the party with a, you know, a double dry hop Russian imperial milk stout brewed on a full moon by monks who only brew the rest of the <laughs> Colin vibes for sure. <laughs> oh my God. This, this stuff that just, you know, like, are you really getting the, the oaky esters from the barrel that it was in for precisely 11 months, four days and six hours and 19 seconds? Like <clears throat> shut up, you know, the, <laughs> and the, the beer connoisseur shows up at a, at a party with a, six pack of Miller light and yeah. uh, 12 pack of craft beer because he knows that that's what the, that's what the host of the party likes. It's like, I love craft beer, but when I sit down to watch the Patriots on Sunday, you know, I don't want to drink, you know, four, 8% double IPAs while I watch football. It's like, I'm going to have some Bud Light. It's and I'm higher gonna, drinkability. Yeah. You're speaking <laughs> our language right like, now, Jack. It doesn't have to be all or nothing when it comes to drinking beer, making beer, enjoying beer, you know, it, it's just, it's supposed to, you know, do what you like, do what you enjoy. And, you know, anybody can make beer. It's not rocket science. You can do it. Uh, and then, you know, dip your toe into, like when I started with the sours, the first ones that I ever made weren't even sours, really. They were just saisons, you know, that kind of had a tart factor to them. And now I've started going way more of like a traditional sour route. And even I still haven't gotten into the way that most people make their sours, which is that long-term sit kettle sour that I talked about. So even I'm not, you know, jumping all the way in yet. I'm just kind of going step by step. Don't get overwhelmed. Hell yeah. I feel like that's the essence of drinking beer should be there when you're making beer. I feel like it's kind of the vibe that I'm getting from. You want to be enjoying the process. You want to be relaxed. You want to be, if you're, if you're, you don't want to stress yourself making beer, that sounds, you know, that sounds ridiculous. So where's the fun in that? Exactly. Exactly. Well, amen. Uh, Chris and Drew, you guys got anything else that you want to fire over to Jack or? I guess I got one, uh, one thing. Like, do you, do you have a specific beer that's your favorite that you brew and like what the, what are the constituents of that? And like, what flavor profiles do you particularly like? I'm a big fan of our straight up new England IPA. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's nothing that's going to break the mold. I don't think, but it's, consistently good uh you know it's made with citra amarillo and simcoe hops which are sort of uh amarillo's not quite in the the regular rotation for everybody but certainly simcoe and definitely citra are kind of the staples for that style so the biggest thing that i like about it is that it is um it, it was one of the ones i'll never forget the first time probably the probably the third time i ever made it Third or no, it was the fourth time I know because in my little recipe book, I've got a star next to it. The fourth time I ever made it, I poured the first glass on draft and I sipped it and I went, Holy shit, that's good. Like, <laughs> that's that's a beer. That's one that I'm proud of. That's one I could sell. And I sent a picture to my dad and I was like, This is a beer we can sell. We can definitely, I, I can work with this. 
Um, so I like that one for the for the um, the accuracy of it, the way the fact that I feel like it's actually a good beer. Um, and then so what I've really enjoyed based on that is messing with the hops and changing some stuff up. Now that I know that I've got a good process down with it, it's like I did one the other day that was all New Zealand hops. So, you know, a little bit like kind of a, a down under tropical feel to it. Um, so it's the same. And, and now that I have that consistency down, I love taking it. It's like what you learned in like fifth grade science, you know, change one variable at a time. Yeah. So it's like now that I know that I can make a good beer like that, now let's mess with it. Now let's change it. And not all of them are going to be good. Some of them are going to suck. But, you know, the fact that I can do that now, that's been really fun. So that that New Zealand IPA, that one's up there with one of my favorites that I've ever made. And then the um, the sour program that we started to establish has really been fun to do. Um, like I mentioned before, the different times and ways and styles that you can add fruit. I did a blueberry blackberry sour that oh. looked incredible, like a deep purple that was awesome. Calm down, but it looked yeah. a little bit too fruity <laughs> for the back end. So, you know, we're still messing with it. Wow, that sounds incredible. I'm you're selling me on this. I'm gonna start gonna <laughs> run to the store later or something like that. I don't even go to work, right? There you go. Whatever. Yeah, That'll be fine. Well, uh, yeah, Jack. Uh, I think it it goes without saying that if you're ever in uh, the Portland, Maine area, or I guess in San Diego, in Chris's cases, <laughs> that's where Chris is, and uh, you need somebody to do some tasting profiles for you, we'd be happy to uh, volunteer our taste buds for the. I'll like, make the sure to get you guys some. We'll yeah. make that happen. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, anything, anything. Oh, <laughs> anything. <laughs> no, all right. Well, I just want to. If there's anything you want to plug, um, I know, you know, I don't know if you guys are going in any more competitions and stuff soon. I know the the Southern Mount one was big when you guys just ran house at, like we had said. But um, anything else you guys uh, want to promote coming up? There is another competition that we'll be at that is in Springfield, Massachusetts, October sixteenth. Knock on wood that the, the world stays relatively sane until then. Um, we'll be pouring beer at that. I, I believe it's at, uh, I don't know if it's going to be at White Lion Brewing, but it's sponsored by White Lion Brewing. And that'll be uh, in downtown Springfield Valley Fest, I believe it's called. It's one of those things that I, I kind of found it online and reached out to the guy and uh, was going to see if I could get involved. And he said yes, but I haven't heard anything about it in the <laughs> week and a half since. So I think. I'll be at that on October 16th. Uh, follow, uh, you know, Lamson Brewing on Instagram is where we do most of our posting about what we're doing and certainly pictures and stuff like that. Um, Facebook as well, Lamson Brewing on Facebook. And we got the website up as well. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, a lot of fun. And, you know, we're hoping to, to take it to another level here at some point in the near future. Absolutely. Well, yeah, uh, definitely keep us in the loop with that because we'd be happy to – not that we have the, the largest platform here, but we got a couple people we could probably convince to do some shopping. So oh, yeah. uh, definitely definitely let us know and we'll uh, we'll get you back on. But, uh, Jack, thank you so much for coming on, man. I definitely uh, would like to follow up with you some more about some of the uh, the beers that you're doing and stuff like that. Maybe we can find a way to do a, a deeper dive into the, the brewing process in the future, I'm sure. <laughs> Many well, I think, of our listeners I think the next time that, we do so. it, the next time we do it, you guys have to have some to to taste and and give us the Bergeron scale on. So yeah, absolutely. Make sure that happens. Yeah, we'll get to, uh, we'll we'll plan a little reunion up in Bridgeton or something and uh, and go skiing this winter or something like that. There we sure. go. So all right, well, Jack, thanks so much for coming on, man. Guys, yeah, thanks, uh, definitely go check out 
uh, Lamps and Brewing Company on Instagram and all that, uh, Facebook, and uh, hopefully you can see him in a couple weeks down in Springfield. Cheers, fellas. Cheers. Cheers.